0: I will build my life upon your love. It is a sure, firm foundation. Thank you, Matt, worship team, for leading us this morning. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Lord's Day. And for those of you that are live streaming and those of you that are here live this morning, it's great to be here. I'm Pastor Dean, one of the pastors here at Community Church of Greenwood. I want to welcome you. And today we are finishing our series on encountering Jesus, part of our year-long sermon series on the hope of Jesus. And that hope is seen throughout all of the messages that we're going to be doing throughout the course of the year as Pastor Jason has been leading us on that journey. So we're real excited about that, those wonderful truths. So next week we have the Super Bowl. Uh, how many are pulling for the Rams? Any Rams fans here? We've got a few. How about Bengals fans? Bengals fans, yeah, I'm kind of mixed. I, I know friends who are pulling for both. I'm not either one, a diehard fan of either, but looking forward to that. So I was thinking about the Super Bowl and of course next Saturday as a prelude to the Super Bowl we're having our men's ministry Super Bowl luncheon and it's here, Chick-fil-A lunch. We've got an Athletes in Action video uh, of their Super Bowl breakfast which is really well done and it has CBS commentator James Brown in it. It will have Eli and Peyton Manning and the Bart Star Award winner for the year uh, Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks and others giving their testimony. So if you can come join us, bring an unchurched, a dechurched friend. We would love to have that and as a real kickoff to our men's ministry as we go into the year. But I was thinking about the Super Bowl uh, this week and great Super Bowl games that I've seen. The longer you've lived, the more Super Bowls you've seen. So I've seen a lot of them and I remember a couple years ago when Philadelphia defeated New England And it was the game that Nick Foles had stepped up. He replaced an injured Carson Wentz a few weeks to go into the season and led them to that championship, that Super Bowl championship. If you remember, they ran that Philly special, a couple pitch outs, and then they threw a pass, and Foles caught a touchdown pass midway through the game that helped win that victory. But it was a great story because Nick Foles had a lot of difficulty. Uh, He had some ups and downs in his career and he himself expressed a lot of fear, a lot of failure uh, throughout his career. Uh, Had high expectations but wasn't quite meeting up to that and here he had this opportunity and through all that though his Christian faith was very strong. The Lord was leading him uh, through his, overcome his fears and his failures to a great victory. But not only a great victory on the field, but a spiritual victory as well. After the game, if you remember on the podium, Foles was interviewed and said, all glory to God. We're very blessed. I wouldn't be out here without God, without Jesus in my life. And I can tell you that first and foremost, I don't have the strength to come out here and play this kind of game like that. And that's an everyday walk. We have struggles as people. And that's just been my rock and my family. Uh, the Lord helped him overcome his fears and failures and gave him a, a great victory and a platform to share his faith. And today we're going to see in our encounter how the Lord Jesus helped one of his followers to overcome his fears and failures, to become a more dedicated disciple and to be a part of some great kingdom victories. And in the process, you and I are going to learn how the Lord Jesus helps us become more dedicated disciples and prepares us for great victories for the kingdom while at the same time overcoming our fears and failures. I've entitled the message, The Overwhelming Love of Jesus, and it'll be evident throughout the entire message today and really the theme this morning that we, you and I, should be more dedicated disciples because of three ways that Jesus demonstrated his overwhelming love to the Apostle Peter 2,000 years ago and to us today. So turn in your Bibles if you would, your church app, your devices to John 21 and we're going to see Jesus and his encounter with the Apostle Peter. A familiar story for many but a little background on that story. Uh, Jesus uh, encounters Peter. Peter is a professional fisherman, lives in the northern part of Israel in Galilee. He was a fisherman in that lake. Uh, he is called to follow Jesus. He becomes a leader. Uh, he is most of the time the spokesperson for the disciples, and he's always listed first in any of the listings of the 12 apostles. He's part of Jesus' inner circle along with. James and his brother John, and they're able to go into Jesus in an upper room and see Jesus raise a little girl from the dead. Uh, they see Jesus transfigured at the Mount of Transfiguration where Moses and Elijah appear uh, with Jesus. And they go into the Garden of Gethsemane and they go further with Jesus and experience the agony that he is going through on the night he is to be betrayed, the, day, the next day being the day he'll be crucified Peter boasts, uh, Peter is, you know, one of those guys, he, he's, he's speaking out a lot, uh, he always takes a step forward, sometimes puts his foot in his mouth in doing so, but he's the one who offers one of the great declarations of who Jesus is, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, he is given symbolically the keys to the kingdom by Jesus to unlock them, and he will do that with the Gentiles and preach the gospel to them and see Gentiles come, and yet he's one that... Uh, ends up being a spokesperson for Satan when he says, oh, Jesus, no, you're not going to go to the cross. We won't let that happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Peter boasts that though all these others would leave you, Lord, I'll never leave you. And Jesus has to say, now, I'll tell you this, Peter, tonight before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. And that evening, fearing for his life, Peter does do that. He denies Jesus three times. And it's fascinating, in Luke's Gospel, it says that as Peter was in the courtyard and Jesus was there beginning one of the trials, as the rooster crowed, Jesus looked at Peter and Peter looked at him and they caught eyesight together. Peter realized what he had done and he went out and wept bitterly. And I think Peter at that time was thinking, wow, my fellowship with Jesus is done. My service for him is over. A day later, Jesus was to be crucified. Peter knows that. Uh, he's, it's revealed to him on that Sunday. Jesus is risen from the dead. And Jesus says, go and wait for me in Galilee. And so Peter goes and does that. In this, the very last story in all of the gospel accounts, Peter, in his despair, in his confusion, with his fears, with his failures, leads six other disciples to go back to fishing in the Sea of Galilee. And he's there doing that, and they catch nothing. And Jesus on the shore, they don't recognize him at first, but Jesus on the shore said, did you catch anything? And they said, no. He said, throw your net on the other side. And they catch this huge amount of fish. And that's where we pick it up. John chapter 21, beginning at verse 9. When they got out on the land, the disciples, they saw a charcoal fire in place, And fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of fish, 153 of them. Let's stop there. 153. How many, if you're a fisherman, why is that in there? Well, fishermen know exactly how big a fish they caught, how many fish they caught. John's a fisherman. He puts that in there. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. Probably symbolic of how he had fed the multitude, right? With the bread and the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. First two times are in chapter 20. The night that Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to them and then a week later with Thomas, the first time without Thomas, Verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And John adds this parenthesis. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to him, Follow me. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to encounter you afresh today through the pages of Scripture. We're grateful for your encounters with Bible characters, but even more grateful for your encounters with us. Meet us and teach us and change us as we encounter you today. And may we experience the hope that we have in you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, and our rock and our redeemer. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Despite the fears and failures of Peter, Jesus, out of his overwhelming love, is desiring to complete his work <clears throat> in making Peter a more dedicated disciple. And so we're going to see this morning three ways that Jesus works to make Peter and you, and me, a more dedicated disciple. The first is he restores us. He restores us. Jesus saw one of his followers, one of his children, struggling with discouragement and doubt, being burdened by his denial of Jesus three times, wondering if he would be set aside for good, indicating by his actions now at the lake that it might be better to go back to his previous life of fishing. As I think about what Peter might have been contemplating and thinking about going through his mind. I remember an old song from Don Francisco and it's called He's Alive and it was about Peter experiencing Jesus being alive after the resurrection. And yet all the things going through Peter's mind. It says, Back in South the house again. The guilt and anguish came. Everything I promised him just added to my shame. When at last it came to choices, I denied I knew his name. And even if he was alive, it wouldn't be the same. Peter was fearful that his relationship with the Lord Jesus would never be the same. And Jesus knows this. And Jesus goes about to restore Peter. And I just find it fascinating in this section here that Jesus initiated the restoration to match the rejection. Jesus initiated the restoration to match the rejection. How so? Verse 9, it says, Jesus was there and he had a charcoal fire going. It brings to mind the fact that when Peter was going to deny Jesus, there was a fire going. It was cold in the courtyard there. That Jesus has Peter with his disciples and to speak out loud in public because when Peter denied him, he did it publicly in that courtyard with people around. And Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times asked Peter, do you love me? To correspond with Peter's three denials. Let's look a little bit closer how Jesus brings that restoration. Verse 15, it said, Jesus said to him, Simon, Peter. Simon, son of John. Uh, He used Peter's real name, Simon. Jesus had changed it. He said, I'll call you Peter. You're the rock. I'm going to build my kingdom on the foundation of your profession of me. But he says Simon because when Peter acted like his old nature, he used that name. He said, you're acting like Simon now. Going back to fishing, not doing what I told you to do. I said, wait for me until you get further instructions. So he gets Peter's attention by calling him by that name. Then he says, do you love me more than these? So what's Jesus asking him? Well, maybe one of three things or maybe all of them. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these men love me? Of course, you said that, Peter, you would never leave me and yet you denied me three times. Do you really love me more than these three? Or Peter, do you love me more than you love these men? Because you're back fishing with them and not doing what I asked you to do. Or Peter, do you love me more than these? These fish. This fishing boat. Matter of fact, in verse 3 it says when they got into the boat, definite article, could have been Peter's boat. Do you love me more than this? So he's Challenging Peter with where that love is coming from. And basically he's saying, Peter, loving me is the most important thing that you can do. and That's what I want from my disciple. And then he says to him, feed my lambs. Tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Care for my little ones, my immature ones, my little lambs. Care for my older ones, my more mature ones, but they're mine, but I need you to care for them. That's my plan A, Peter, and there is no plan B. I am counting on you, and I'm counting on your teammates to get the job done. Jesus was teaching Peter, he was reaching Peter with the understanding that Peter still had a role to play in Christ's kingdom building. Peter may have recalled during that process what Jesus said to him, recorded in Luke 22. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. A little prophecy of what Peter would be doing. Peter's taking that all in. Peter was restored to the Lord Jesus to a place of fellowship. He was restored to a place of followership. And he was even restored to a place of leadership out of Jesus' overwhelming love. If you're here this morning and you've fallen away from the Lord, you've disappointed Him, you've doubted Him, maybe you've denied Him in your words or in your lifestyle or your life choices, he desires to restore you back to himself. If you've neglected your relationship with him and allowed the world and the things of the world to become an idol to you, a small g little God, he desires to restore his relationship back with you. If you've allowed your fears and your failures to keep you from a vital relationship, he desires to restore his relationship back To himself. I needed that kind of restoration in in my life as I was working through this. I I graduated college. I was single. I was coaching basketball and I had played and I just loved basketball and I was throwing everything into it and I was really making basketball and coaching an idol in my life, a small g God. I knew the Lord. I was trying to walk with him, but I had just put my coaching ahead. In that process, at eighth year, I had met Betty on a blind date, and I had set up a, an opportunity to have a, a, an official date with her, and it was going to be on a Saturday night following a game that I was going to be coaching, and it was going to be going to a game I had to scout. I figured if this relationship is going anywhere, she might as well know what she's getting into, and I actually had a shot chart for her to keep rebounds and shot chart, and by the way, she did a great job with it. But, I, but we had the game on Friday night. We had a young team. We played one of the top teams in the state, and we just got annihilated. It was just, it was so bad. And just devastated. And I was so depressed, and I was thinking to myself, you know, we could have not done spring leagues, summer workouts, fall preseason, and we could have had just the same result. So I was really down, so I, I went to pick up Betty on Saturday night and rang the doorbell. She opened the door, and she just said, you know, how did it go last night? I said, oh man, it was just so bad. I was just uh, just a devastating loss. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, let's have fun tonight. Yeah. And you know what? The Lord really used that. The Lord showed me that I had really idolized the basketball and had put it out of perspective. And he used that to restore me back. Thank you. And it was just a short while later that he called me into full-time ministry. And so I'm very grateful for the Lord in his working in my life and it reminds me you know of that Corey Asbury oh the overwhelming never-ending restless love of God oh it chases me down fights till I'm found leaves the 99 I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it still you give yourself away oh the overwhelming never-ending reckless love of God and he showed that to me and he shows that to us doesn't he Our beloved Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He, what? Restores my soul. The Hebrew word there means to turn back, to return. Jesus is able to restore us, to heal us, to bring us back to himself, to help us return. Spiritually? Mentally, physically, relationally, emotionally. He's not only able to do it, he desires to do that. This morning, he is desiring to restore you to fellowship with him, to followership of him, to your relationship to him, and maybe even your leadership for him. Will you respond to his call today? And maybe you're sitting out here and you need to respond to his call to come to know him in a personal way. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of those sin is death. Physical death, yes, but spiritual death. Separation from God and eternal hell. But God loved us so much he didn't want to leave us like that. So as God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we put our faith and trust in Him, our sins are forgiven, we're given eternal life, and God works and guides in us to become His disciple. And then we articulate that. The Bible says, If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified, your mouth you confess and are saved. And God reminds us of what He's done through all of that. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What great news is that? If you're here today and you need to respond to that call, do so in the quietness of your heart and trust Him by faith. We see that Jesus restores us as He brings us to become deeper disciples. Second of all, He empathizes with us. Verse 17 he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved in his spirit, grieved that Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? The first two times that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He uses the Greek word agapao. We get agape from that, right? It's a, it's a service type of love, a surrendering, an unconditional type of love. But Peter responds to him by saying, Phileo, fondness, friendship. And so he, he, that's the interaction. But the third time Jesus asks him, do you love me? He uses Peter's word, phileo. Basically saying, Peter, are you really my friend? And so it grieves Peter in his heart. Peter thinking, okay, I did deny. This is the third time Jesus is asking me, yeah, I, I denied him three times. So it's bringing fresh in his mind. But I think also it was Jesus asking him, Peter, are you you really my friend? And Peter responds, right? Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus, in his overwhelming love and grace and mercy and compassion and empathy, affirms Peter basically by saying, yes, Peter, I know that you're my friend. And I know you are trying to love me the very best way that you can. And I think that encouraged Peter and helped bring him back into a full relationship with the Lord. And you know, Jesus is always showing empathy. Showing his overwhelming love because he had and has that type of compassion. It is a wonderful Greek word. It's a big long one, splignizomai. But it means out of the very depth, the very bowels of a person. And Jesus was always showing that. In Matthew chapter 9, he saw the crowds. It says they were like... Sheep without a shepherd, he had compassion on them and ministered to them. In Matthew chapter 20, uh, he saw two blind men and had compassion on them, empathy for them, and healed them. In Mark chapter 1, he had empathy for a leper and put his hand out and healed him. And in Luke chapter 7, he saw a widow who was burying her son, and he had compassion for her and raised the son back to life. But not only what Jesus did, but what Jesus taught and showing the love of God for people, the empathy. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is talking about the master who forgave his servant an insurmountable amount. I had compassion on him because he begged him. In Luke chapter 10, the story of the good Samaritan. And Jesus said that the Samaritan had pity, empathy, compassion, splignizomai, on the man who was beaten up. And of course, in Luke 15, The father of the prodigal, as the prodigal returns, the father raced to him with compassion and embraced him and restored him back. The Lord often shows his empathy, his overwhelming love through his people. Uh, Betty and I have a a rule, the Denny Nelson rule. Uh, Denny Nelson was a football coach up at Stevens Point, Wisconsin, when I was working for FCA in Wisconsin. And Betty and I, as, as some of you know, we got married in our 30s and began to try to have a family, and we faced infertility problems. Uh, a, a committed Christian O V G Y N found what the problem was. We got pregnant, went through our pregnancy, but we lost the baby at birth, and we had a memorial service for our Daniel Dean Bezaeus a couple nights later. Denny Nelson heard about that. And he hopped on his motorcycle at Stevens Point and drove two and a half hours back to Waukesha to be with us, to display the empathy of Christ, the compassion for us and our brokenness. He had a ministry of presence. He hopped on his motorcycle and went right back. Betty and I committed then to say, you know what? If ever possible, we will always go to a memorial service and just have a ministry of presence And try to show the empathy, the compassion, the splenizomai of Jesus to others. Jesus is there to empathize with you. As you experience trials and tribulations of this life, hurts and heartaches, the problems and the pains, the fears and the failures. It's all a part of being in this fallen world. And Jesus knows what you're going through. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. The Bible says, cast all your care upon him for what he cares for you. Third day, a number of years ago, sang a song and I, I keep remembering it. There is hope for the helpless, rest for the weary, love for the brokenhearted. There is grace and forgiveness, mercy and healing. He'll meet you wherever you are. Cry out to Jesus. Do you need to cry out to him today and receive the empathy that he extends out of his overwhelming love, his compassion, his care for you, because he empathizes with us? Thirdly, lastly, and and briefly as we wrap up this morning, he calls us, verse 19 and verse 22, Jesus says, follow me, you follow me, travel with me. Out of his overwhelming love, Jesus had restored Peter, cared for him, so that he would follow him as a more dedicated disciple. Follow me are some of the first words Jesus ever spoke to Peter. Mark chapter 1, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. And now he's saying the same thing, follow me. It is in the present active imperative, meaning keep on following me. Did Peter respond? What's the rest of the story? We find it in the book of Acts. Peter was a disciple who had been molded into one who was growing. Acts chapter 1, not once but twice he takes Old Testament Psalms and relates them to Judas' betrayal and the need for a new disciple. He was growing his understanding of the word of God. Acts chapter 10, he was in the city of Joppa and he was serving there. But the Lord called him to go to Caesarea. And so he went and he served a centurion and his family and unlocked the door of the gospel to the Gentiles. He was sharing in Acts chapter 2. He stood up in front of thousands there at Pentecost and preached the gospel. And multitudes came to put their faith in Christ. And he was giving in Acts chapter 3, a lame beggar asked him for alms and Peter didn't have any, but he said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do, I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The Lord restores you and me, empathizes with us, calls us to be more dedicated disciples because you and I are his plan A. And his mission for us and the mission that we articulate here at CCG is that we are to be a disciple that is growing. That is growing. A disciple that is serving, a disciple that is sharing, a disciple that is giving, G-S-S-G, easy to remember. We are called to basically journey with Jesus and to build ourselves, really, when you think of it, on the key question Jesus asks Peter, and he asks us, Do you love me? Are you my friend? And if you are, follow me in a life of deep discipleship. Warren Wiersbe, pastor, author, had a great quote. I love this one. Jesus Christ is transforming lives today. Whenever he finds a believer who is willing to yield to his will, listen to his word, and follow his way, he begins to transform that believer and accomplish remarkable things in that life And he also begins to do wonderful things through that life. Does that reflect the desire of your heart? Because he calls us. What about your story? What's the next chapter the Lord Jesus is writing for you in your life as his disciple? The Lord is calling you, calling me, to be a more dedicated disciple, to grow, to serve, to share, to give to care for his church and his people, to sacrifice for others, and to follow him because he restores us. He empathizes with us. And he calls us out of his overwhelming, never-ending love. Will you respond to that call today? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your time that you've given us in your word today. Thank you for being a Savior and Lord and King who restores us and empathizes with us and calls us. And may we respond to that call and be a deeper disciple of yours. And Lord, we extend an invitation this morning to anyone who needs to start their journey with Jesus, to repent of sin, to believe it by faith that Christ died for them and loves them with an overwhelming love and to begin that journey. Lord, prepare our hearts for your table today. And as your disciple, may we partake of the elements and be drawn closer to you. For we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.